0: All right. Transferring tape 5,
1: Saturday,
2: April 27th, year 2013. The rains of spring and the dust of summer, and come up smiling. Johnson's Glow Coat is a real labor saver because it needs no rubbing or buffing and takes a minimum of work to apply. And when you spill something, you mop it up in a jiffy with a damp cloth. If you have linoleum in your front entrance hall, brighten it up with an occasional application of glow coat. The colors will be as fresh as new again, a cheerful welcome to your friends. And for all floors made of asphalt tile, the approved polish is Johnson Self-Polishing Glow Coat.
0: What are you doing, McGee?
2: I'm writing a telegram
0: to Cousin Roy in Portland. What are you saying? I says your letter impertinent and insulting? You are a cheapskate and a rat, and if you ever write to me again, I'll pin your ears back with your own bicuspids. <laughs> Warmest personal regards. Signed, Fibber.
2: Very good. Day letter? Night. Night, all.
3: The character of Mr. Wellington heard on this program was played by Ransom Sherman. This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax for Home and Industry,
2: and inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company.
0: April 25, 1944. From McGee and Molly. And we're gonna call Patricia in a second, but let's hear it. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity being here. Look after your family, your children. Watch the poor, the hungry, and the needy Lord, take care of the country. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Alright, let's fire this up. Let's put on a little music and get a hold of Patricia.
1: JAWS for Windows is ready, welcome to Skype, press insert, plus h for selected, Bill Bragg, Carolyn Rhymes. Carolyn Grimes, page of, plus 151255, 1, 5, 5. page, page of, favorites, Dra- all Change. Bill Bragg online, 3 of 122, Bill Bragg online on the mo, Bill Bragg, Bill Bragg, echo slash, imagine it, Isaac, Jerry, Jimmy, Molin plus 1, Bill Bragg, Cynthia, Dennis, Frank, Jeff, Zip. Jim, Tim, Ace, Carolyn, Carolyn Grimes, Patricia, you with phone number applications. Send SMS and Invite a group call. Enter even menus. Patricia, you with phone unloading jaws. Cancel OK button.
0: I am here. All right, we'll turn the music down. Hello there, how are you? Are you there? I'm here. You hear me? I can hear you.
4: Oh, that's good. That's there you good. go. I can't hear you. You can't hear me? No, you're getting better.
0: Oh, there. There you
4: go. You were out of your microphone again, weren't you? No,
0: no. It's just a different set phone setting. I had to bring myself up to make sure you okay. can. Okay,
4: and now you're loud. I need
0: ears. Hello or there. maybe Hello Bill's there. new
4: board will help, huh?
0: Uh huh. new board. You help. think? Oh yeah.
4: Oh, that would be helpful.
0: Oh yeah. And once we get you on Skype, that would be helpful. Is he
4: helpful. going to be feeling okay to get out there?
0: Um, well, Kim coming by herself. <laughs> they're going to mail the board out here. They're going uh, to mail the board out here and also Johnny Larry's new board out here. It's all the same ah. package. So. so
4: one way or another, you've got your new board. You just need somebody to plug it in, uh-huh. and, and I fix think, it, and fine tune it, and
0: yeah, show and you I think where pa- all the buttons are. I think Patricia can come out there and help me do that. <laughs> You're joshing, right? No, I have faith in you.
4: I know you have so much faith in me, it scares me sometimes. <laughs>
0: well, you don't let me down. You're my bud. You, well, you, you've been with me thick and thin. And thick and thick too.
4: I know. Cause you're fun to be with. Oh. And we have a, we do have a good time on Saturdays. We do. We have a good time at other times too. We do. We have a good time.
0: We were meant to be together
4: and we done it. Yeah. We done it. Yeah. Now you're a little bit low. I tell oh. you what, I need new ears.
0: Oh. Well, I there can- you go. Should I buy you Mickey Mouse ears? I guess they would work better, wouldn't they? Yeah, it might. It might. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah.
4: I have some sports stuff from New Jersey.
0: Tell me. See, I,
4: I looked up all of this stuff from New Jersey. Maybe I'd better save some of it because we'll be here for the rest of the night. But in the sports department, the first intercollegiate football game was played in New Brunswick mm-hmm. in
0: 1869. 18... <gasps> You knew that! Mm -hmm. Rutgers vs. Princeton. Oh, good
4: grief. Okay, first professional baseball game.
0: Did not know that.
4: Played in Trenton in 1896. Wow. The first play-by-play radio broadcast of a baseball game.
0: Okay, did not know that.
4: Uh, You know, I'm really amazed that you got the top one. Um, first play-by-play radio broadcast of a baseball game was October 5th, 1921, by WJZ in Newark. Oh, yeah. the New York Yankees versus the New York Giants. Oh. And then the last one, and you knew this one for sure, the first baseball game that broke the color barrier.
0: Well, that was in
4: booker. That was Jackie Robinson yep. in 1946.
0: Oh, that when was, he was playing, when he was playing in Miami up in Canada, when he played in Miley baseball.
4: According to this, the first, um, the first game he played, first baseball game that broke the color. This is the way it's, it's, um, uh-huh. it's written. The first baseball game that broke the color line was played in
0: Jersey City in 1946 with Jackie Robinson. Does that sound right? Well, I imagine that's when they played in minor league baseball. Cause I think minor league. I think he was in okay. the triple. I think, he was, I think the uh, Dodgers signed him to play in minor league for one season, and they brought him up in 47.
4: And they brought him up. Boy, he was a remarkable person.
0: Yep. Just a remarkable College person. graduate. And there's a brand new movie about, out about him that was on last week. But he went to UCLA. He did? Oh, yeah. Wow.
4: And this was an anniversary recently for him.
0: hmm What was it? I don't know. Maybe his 100th birthday? I'm not too sure. I don't know. It was a major, major... Well, they've and I'm been, so
4: sorry I didn't pay closer been, yeah, attention they've to
0: They've been uh, honoring because had a brand-new movie out about him. Uh-huh. And baseball was sort of his worst sports. He was baseball quite... Was, his worst... They require, I think, a football player in high, at Ushoy. Uh-huh. So. Uh,
4: I'm, I'm sorry I didn't write it down. There was something very special about a week ago, and Mrs. Robinson was at the White House. It was a White House honor, but the White House honor was in honor of you know, I mean, it yeah. wasn't yeah. it wasn't honoring Jackie Robinson. It was honoring Jackie Robinson and in commemoration of something that he did.
0: And shame on me. He didn't live very long.
4: How old was he when he died?
0: Oh, he was early 70s, I think. Um, I think he was 28 when he came up and played in the majors. So I figured this out. So... Would he be about a little over 50 years old? I think he was totally blind at the end.
4: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I just hate to hear that. Yeah. He he was, you know, he he did so much and tolerated so much and was so good at what he did.
0: And that was hard Uh, for him. He was a very competitive, strong-willed human being, but... Last week he wanted him to keep it unwrapped for the first year or so, so he knew he was going to have a, a difficult uh, time.
4: going to have a hard time and, and with his own teammates. Yeah. So let's see, he was born in 1919 mm-hmm. and died in
0: 1972.
4: So 53. So 53 years, no. Yeah. Wow. That's very young. Yeah. Very, very young. But, um, he was a nice-looking man, too. I mean, just nice to look at. He had a nice smile
0: and kind eyes. So his but widow must be in her late 80s now.
4: Has to be. Has to be. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Rachel anyhow, um,
4: yeah. a man who earned a lot of admiration over the years. Oh, yeah. Really did some wonderful stuff. Okay, I've got a couple of firsts that are just going to make you smile. The first drive-in movie. Hooray! When do you think the first drive-in movie opened? Mm. Within a couple of years.
0: 1932.
4: Oh, my gosh! 1933! How did you know that? I guess I guess. I would have figured in the
0: 50s. Well, you're probably in California. You know, we're ahead of the curve out here.
4: I'll have to stump you somewhere along the line here. The first guide dog school was opened in Morristown, New Jersey in 1929. Wow. 1929? Isn't that remarkable? Yeah,
0: yeah.
4: Wow. So I'll save some of the rest of this stuff because it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah,
0: hey, good stuff.
4: Do you want to do your questions? I think we should do it. I think we should do that, too, because you missed last week, or we missed last week. We I know. Were we, so late.
0: We, we snuck out.
4: We, we snuck out. It was almost 7 o'clock.
0: And we might go to bed early tonight because Patricia's been hunkering down. You can
4: you can tell she's cranky, huh?
0: No. I just know she's sweet and lovable <laughs> and <laughs> adorable. Oh, and you I, lovable little thing. And I just know... She didn't take her shower like I asked her to. How did you know? I know my Patricia very well. Gee, Willikers, I went and got coffee. I know. Well, you've been peeking? Wow. I don't think taking a bath and a cup of coffee would do it to be too hot.
4: So uh, you expected me to come back and say, oh, boy, I feel better now, and I didn't. No, mm-hmm. it's, it's
0: just your sweet, adorable self. Oh,
4: uh, you know, and Ron is irresistible, mm-hmm. and Ralph, Ralph is, is cuddles, Cuddles, but mm-hmm. so we need some folks calling in and give yourself some, fed, some self-designated Nickname. names. name. yeah. Ralph has decided he is cuddles. <laughs>
0: <This>
5: is so <laughs> cute.
4: And Ron, you are irresistible. Mm-hmm. All right, which would you like first? Oh, now stuff.
0: you told me you got two baseball questions, so let's do I the have first two one. Two baseball questions, I do. So let's do the first one. The first one is. Wait. Well, I can.
4: Well, I think yeah, right. I think we only have one question. Okay. Well, well, let's give this a try. When was the first officially recorded, organized baseball match played?
0: And where? <laughs> Only my Patricia would come up with something like this. Let's see here. Well, was in New York and Coopertown. And it was 1839. No, you,
4: you you circle the runway a couple of times, and, and you're, you're really good about this. It was June 19th, 1846. Oh, seven this years was the first off. officially recorded one. Okay. And I think the word recorded probably makes a difference in this. Yeah. It was the first recorded organized baseball match, and it was played under Alexander Joy Cartwright's rules on Hoboken's Elysian Fields.
5: It was in Hoboken,
4: New Jersey? Alicia in New Jersey, another one in New Jersey, with the New York Baseball Club defeating the Knickerbockers two to one. And Cartwright was the person who umpired. No wonder
0: you know so much about sports. They all come from New Jersey.
4: (laughs) we all come from New Jersey. Well, you Mm -hmm. see, this was one of the things that I came across when I was looking up New Jersey.
5: Uh And
4: I thought, I'm not going to put it in New Jersey. I'm going to put it and make Walden answer Ah. it. All right. So I, I do have another one, and this one is... Contemporary. It is not contemporary in history, but contemporary meaning it is very apropos to the time. Say what? And we, it, it is apropos to our time. I mean, it's something that's, that fits in with what's happening in today's news. Okay. All right. And it has to do with the Red Sox at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, this is a three-part question, so I'll ask all three, and then we'll go back one at a time, okay? Yep. Which song is played during a Red Sox home game at Fenway Park?
0: Sweet Caroline.
4: That's, that's right. Now, number two, when is it played? Seventh inning. No.
0: Yeah. Well, it's always, oh, well, no, that that's the fourth inning. No. Second inning.
4: No. <laughs> We're running out of innings. <laughs> it's played in between. Wait a minute. What What did I say here? In between. It's in between the the seventh and the eighth inning. So it's considered an eighth inning song. Oh, it's always okay. the eighth inning.
0: I I heard the seventh, but I guess uh, okay. So
4: I, now I know, I
0: know what it means. During okay. The, during
4: the middle of the eighth inning. Got it. How about that? And I thought it was in between innings. Okay. New ownership request. Anyway, okay. So it's the eighth inning. And that's what I had to had to look up because they kept saying eighth inning. And I'm thinking eighth inning, what? You don't play a song in the middle of the eighth inning. But indeed, that's exactly when they play it. Ah. Now, what is the history behind where it's played in the game and why it's played?
0: I don't know that at all.
4: I didn't have any idea either. Mm-hmm. It started as a random pick was a, a person named Amy Toby, who was the ballpark's musical director from 1998 to 2004. So that was only six years. Right. And she was responsible for choosing the music. It was up to her. And occasionally she would put in Sweet Caroline because she had heard it at other events and she liked it. And apparently the fans did too. But then the team was bought. In 2002, uh, a group, John Henry's group, I don't know who John Henry John Henry, Henry is.
0: used to own the Florida, the Florida Marlins. Okay,
4: so and he bought an, the Red Sox.
0: Uh, and a former owner, one of the owners of the San Diego Padres was involved, who was in films, and the guy who helped run the Padres. So it's a a, a group that went and bought the Red a, Sox. A strong Sports mm-hmm. emphasis here. Yeah. Okay. but the group,
4: bought the Red Sox in 2002. And the new ownership requested that Toby play the song during the middle of the eighth inning of every single game. And ah. that's where it started. Ah. It was the group owners who okay. decided that's when they wanted it play because it is a peculiar song. I mean, you sing Sweet Caroline. That, that's almost got a southern sound to it in the middle of... of um, Boston.
0: Yep, and I think partly it started to get. I always thought they kept it because that's when the Red started to get hot and started winning some it's, more Series. And, and
4: and you're right, they started playing it after it yeah. caught on. Then the um, music director started playing it only when the Reds were ahead. Mm-hmm. And then the new owner said in 2002, we'll play it at the middle of every eighth inning. Now what came about and made me look at this. So specifically was that Neil Diamond, whose hit was Sweet Caroline, made an appearance at Fenway Park and conducted, you know, because the music director will turn off the sound when it comes to the point where Sweet Caroline and the fans take over. And he called and said, I'm in town. Can I come to the park? And I said, (laughs) wow, isn't that? I mean, this was in the middle of just all of the horrid things that were going on up there. And, um, you know, Boston is a very, very strong town with strong values and strong people. And, you know, it just is. And somebody wrote, you picked the wrong town. (laughs) And I think they were right. But anyway, the, the stadium was packed. I don't know if you had an opportunity to hear it. But he was out there, you know, just jeans and ball cap and, you know, like he had just rolled out of bed.
0: So I should fi- it, probably up on YouTube. I should probably see it probably now.
4: It, yeah, it might be. And there he was out in the middle of the field huh? with a microphone singing Sweet Caroline. And the fans went crazy. Wow. And it was just a shot in the arm that was a very nice thing to do. And it did exactly what he wanted wow. to. Kind of perked people up. Sure. So that's what made me... Smart. Go out and look and find out the history of the eighth inning. And well,
0: you that's know, it. He, you know who he wrote it for?
4: He wrote it for who? Whom?
0: Caroline Candy. Caroline
4: I wondered if that was the case. He,
0: found, he kept it secret for all these years until, what's in the last four, four to five years, he, he announced that when she was in the audience that she wrote it for her.
4: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Goodness! All right, so I have to I have to mark all of these um, your baseball ones as finished. But we still have other questions for you. Which one would you like?
0: My quote.
4: You may have your quote. Hold on. Let me take care of the baseball dealy here. Your presidential quote is. It's easier to do a job right than to explain why you didn't. Most unlikely. Mm. Well, most unlikely to come to mind anyway. Mm. I don't know anything about the poor man. Which is my shortcoming. Herbert,
0: Herbert Hoover?
4: No, it was Martin Van Buren. Ah. I don't remember anybody ever talking about Martin Van Buren. He
0: was sure he was uh, Andrew Jackson vice president. He just kind of slid through. Yep, and he was sort sure of appointed and uh, well not vice president. He was in his administration and then he just took and he was sort sure of hand picked and mm-hmm. uh, became the the eighth president of the United States.
4: And after and did Andrew Johnson in the wake of of Lincoln he finished out Lincoln's term. Mm-hmm. Did he run for president?
0: I don't think he did. The next time through. I don't think. I think it was I think he took a. So, wait a minute. I think he did. But Even I though think they he, had a. Yeah. It. But he. I don't think he was in a cot in the middle because he was a Democrat that that um, that Lincoln nominated. So. His party did not nominate him and the Republican Party didn't trust him. So yeah, it was just a no no but I mean he, he, he would
5: ma- had it he,
4: he was a man th-
0: he was a man without a party really to back him.
4: He was and you know, the impeachment mm-hmm. I would have thought did him in, but I, I never looked to see whether or not he ran.
0: You know what he was he he before, at- you know what he was in his early as a profession?
4: Oh, Oh, was he the one who was a tailor? That's right. You're good,
5: <sighs> Boy, You know, it. I look at
4: I look at these things sometimes and just marvel at the backgrounds of the people who led our country.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: But the the impeachment was just. I mean, it was a heartbreaker. Yeah. After after having gone through so much during the Civil War, and then to have a president impeached. Awful stuff. Awful stuff. Our country has been through an awful lot.
0: We're still here, though.
4: Yes, we are, and we will always be here. It's just hard roads sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what else do you want? We've got a presidential question, a brain teaser, and your stump Walden question. You can forget the presidential question because you already answered it. Never mind.
0: Uh, you gave me the quote, though. So I don't yeah. have my presidential question yet.
4: Well, you already answered it. You sure? Yeah.
0: I thought you gave me the, the quote. Only,
4: the only president born in New Jersey. Oh, okay. And I asked you so while I to was two. up in... Yeah,
0: I'm down to yeah. two. Again. Yeah.
4: Well, see, I didn't save it. I forgot to take it off my read to Walden. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: so, so
4: we already covered it. Uh, Woodrow oh, Wilson, yes. Yeah, okay. He spent a lot of time in New Jersey and he was governor of New Jersey, but he was born, are you ready for this? Stanton, Virginia.
0: Virginia. Oh, that was okay. Stanton, yeah. Virginia.
4: Yeah. With the Statler brothers, Stanton, Virginia. Oh, that town? Uh huh. Wow. And I recall when we were talking with them, maybe, yeah, I guess it was both of them. They were talking because we were talking about hometown mm. and Christmas and the kinds of traditions and customs that they yep. had as a family. And he- one of them, I think it was Harold, mentioned. And of course, we've got Woodrow Wilson all over the place. Yeah. And yeah. I thought, okay, <laughs> I now
5: had we know no why.
4: idea. I did not know that. Uh, I didn't know he was born in Stanton, Virginia. Wow. So the Statler brothers share Woodrow Wilson's hometown. Wow. And that's what they were talking about. And um, after I read it, I went, I did my famous, duh.
0: Duh. So, two, two equal two equal four.
4: Two and two equals four. Yeah, by the way, the, uh, and it's a gazenta. Do you know what a gazenta is? No. Two into four two times? No. Yeah, it's a gazenta.
0: Two gazenta four, two times. That's a number? Two goes into four. Yeah, two times. You know, four divided by two, two goes into
4: four. You, you never heard it put that way. Uh, two, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, when you were trying to teach little kids how to do math. Yeah, yeah. It
4: goes into two fits into four two times. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's a gazenta. It goes into. Gazette I did into.
0: not know that. That might be a, a New Jersey thing.
4: It is. Oh. It's It's like, um, what was, what was one of the words that the delivery boy used? Certainly. Certainly. <laughs> and probably. Probably. P-R-O-B. Probably. <laughs> it was a good show with all of those great words. And you went and got a snack instead of listening to the show.
0: I actually listened to most of it. Did I met, I, I, um, I was eating my popcorn and I hooked up the phone. That way I could listen. Oh, no wonder. I, no wonder no wonder the phone. I, uh, now I left the phone open. again he did it folks he did it right
4: that's okay well i'll i'll put that on my list that when we get back on the phone together each week did you hang up did you hang up yeah well now i did now you did okay so we've got a stump walden question and your brain teaser brain teaser Your brain teaser. Uh A man went to a hotel and as soon as he got there, he was bankrupt. Explain. We're asking Walden's brain teaser and he is Bad for me, thinking outside the box these days and I have to work harder and harder to find a question that I'm able to answer because I'm I'm honest, Walden. If I don't if I don't know the answer on first pass, then I tell you. But boy this one I really struggled with for a while.
0: A man went to a hotel and once he got there, he was bankrupt. Instantly, right.
4: We have no dead air. It is Walden's brain chugging through this question. We can hear it. And after this, we are going to stump Walden. At least I'm going to try, but he's really hot tonight. You are hot tonight, you know.
5: Oh. Um, a went, okay. A man went
4: to a hotel, mm-hmm.
0: and as soon as he got there, he was bankrupt. Okay. Well, he owned the hotel, and when he showed up, that's when they served the paper and said it was foreclosed. <laughs> You're really
4: creative. That was good. It's not the right answer, but it was good. Okay,
0: what's the answer?
4: What game do you like to play that has hotels in it?
0: (laughs) Monopoly?
4: Yeah, and a hotel is very expensive to pay the rent on. Man was playing Monopoly, and he landed on a property with a hotel.
0: Oh, boo-boo, that's a good good one. That's a good one. That's a good oh,
4: one. Boy, that one that one really stretched brains.
0: That's a good Dude. one.
4: It, I, yeah, I thought it was pretty
5: good. But yeah.
4: Before I thought, you know, standing outside a hotel and he went bankrupt. Yeah. He gets stuck up. That's I think that's a good not bankrupt. One. So that leaves us with your stump Walden question. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm ready. You ready? Mm-hmm.
4: I don't have to do a drum roll or anything, right? Oh, you can do that. That's very good. Okay. Right. Which character was a mechanic at Jim Barker's
0: garage? Well, the only one I know of was Gas...Gasling Alley. Nope. I know you know who Jim Barker was. Um... The adventure to Jimmy Allen?
4: No, Lorenzo Jones. No! I didn't. Yeah, Lorenzo Jones worked at Jim Barker's garage. He was a mechanic. Wow. And he didn't spend a heck of a lot of time. No, I thought he
0: was sort of an inventor and stuff like that. Yeah.
4: Yeah, but this is the way he earned his living in order to be able to come home and play with his inventions. Even if I listened to Lorenzo Jones, I wouldn't have remembered that. Ever. All right. So now I got some really hot stuff here. Cuz we've got Winnie the Pooh. I still have some Pooh quotes. Mm-hmm. And I've also got a really nifty collection of quotes by comedians and people in
0: humor places.
4: So you have to you have to suffer through one of them. Which one would you like to suffer through?
0: I want let it all my Patricia hot little hands.
4: <gasps> really? Yeah. Okay, well, some of these I have to read before I read them out loud. <laughs> um, okay. Doing...
0: This is from Phyllis Diller. Oh, I knew her. Me yep, met... Diller. I met her, yeah.
4: Housework can't kill you, but why take the chance?
0: Yep. Okay. Good.
4: That's good. I yeah. can I can deal with that. Now this one, Elaine Boozler is a stand up comic.
0: Don't know her. And she's
4: quite funny, but you kind of have to filter some of the things she says. But uh-huh. this one is okay. She said, I have six locks on my door, and they're all in a row. When I get out, when I go out, I lock every other one. I figure no matter how long somebody stands there picking the locks, they're always going to be they're always going to be locking three of them. <laughs> now that makes a whole lot of sense.
0: Yep. Yep.
4: It's funny, but it makes sense. Yep. you got six locks, you only lock three of them. Let them pick all day. Mm-hmm. That's good. Very good. Okay, well, Ellen DeGeneres, I've heard this one before, and maybe you did too. My grandmother started walking five miles a day when she was 60. She's 97 now, and we don't know where the
0: heck she is. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's good. You haven't heard that one? Yeah. yeah. That was
4: kinda of cute. Uh, let's see. This is from Lily Tomlin. I really like Lily Tomlin is the comedian who had Edith Ann, the girl who sat the little girl who yep. sat in the great big rocking chair.
5: Yeah.
4: And the one who would say that's the truth. Yeah. Kinda of spit a little bit. Well, Lily Tomlin says, I always wanted to be somebody, but now I realize I should have been more specific.
6: <laughs> that's good.
4: Yeah, she's good. Some of these people were really
0: good. Oh, yeah.
4: Um, we'll forget Rodney Dangerfield. Um, I cook with wine, says W.C. Field. Sometimes I even add it to the food. <laughs> he was... He, he poked a lot of fun at himself. Yeah. Which was surprising. You know? He just didn't seem to have the personality... Mm-hmm. But, of course, you know, it's easier to poke fun at yourself than to have fun poked at you. Oh, yeah. So maybe that was it. What do you now, think? That
0: way you can be a little more gentle about it. than yes, maybe. Yes, and
4: if you get to you first, it it cuts other people off at the pass. Right. He, I really think, and you would know this, it really sounded like he and Charlie McCarthy, not Edgar Bergen, but actually the dummy himself, which takes on a life of his own. But it really sounded like he was very irritated at some points.
0: They were really good friends, though. They they came up with ideas and worked together on the stuff. So he and Edgar, they were, uh, they were very fond of each other to work the lines. So,
5: yeah.
0: So, but I think they 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 really created sort of a, uh, a you know it was, in that era. That's when they had these made up views mm-hmm. and I think they just took it the next step yeah. further.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times, I mean, I told you I interviewed Farfel for goodness sakes and you talk to these creatures like they're real because the ventriloquist is so good. Mm-hmm. The characters take on a personality and a speech and mm-hmm. words and phrases. They just are be- they become alive, sure. and Charlie McCarthy did, too. Sure. And a, you know, a, a dummy, there's, what, what am I supposed to call him? Jimmy Nelson said, not dummies, figures? What was the word he used?
0: Um, inanimate objects?
4: No, it, it was a specific word. Uh-huh. I said dummy, and he said... Something else, and it wasn't figure. A figure uh, is something, you know, when they're carved, they're carving a figure, but oh, goodness gracious, now I'll have to go look at the word. But it's common for a ventriloquist to use a dummy as an outlet for the kinds of conversation. That yeah. he wished he could, you know. I mean, okay, you was of Berger your boss was like, and say it was, it was the dummy who called mm-hmm. you a dummy, you know, that kind yeah. of thing.
0: Like, Eggerberg yeah. was so shy, he, he, it was not, it was just auto ego. It was not. Yeah, uh-huh.
4: yeah, that's it. That's the word. Thank you. Boy, I really need to go to bed. But it, it sounded like there was um, an irritation or a rasping, like two pieces of sandpaper rubbing together when he and Charlie McCarthy, the person of Charlie McCarthy, would get into it.
5: Yeah, well, it was, it was out
0: with out the repartee they came up with. You're right. That
5: was the
4: shtick. Yeah.
0: Well, they did a good job because I come away thinking,
4: wow, he really sounded ticked.
5: <laughs>
4: but, my little wooden dummy, I'm going to sit you in a pile of termites. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me see. I like long walks, says Fred Allen. Especially by people who annoy me. Ah,
0: oh, good. He was good.
4: good. He was good. Oh, here's good. W.C. Fields, I drink, I never drink water because of the disgusting things fish do in it. <laughs> good.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And Yogi Berra, good old yogi, he always came up with some good stuff. I never said most of the things I said.
0: Nice. Good.
4: That's that's pure Yogi. Yeah. You know, it, it makes you wonder how much of it after a while was put on. Like True. you never knew where Jimmy Durante left off. Right. And Jimmy Durante picked up, you right. know. Right. But whether or I don't know. But anyway, Yogi was always good. He was
5: always good.
4: Let me see here. Robert Benchley. Robert Benchley was good. Robert Benchley wrote Jaws. Oh, let's see. I have tried to know absolutely nothing about a great many things, and I have been successful very well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, was you were part of the Algonquin Roundtable, which that, sort of that smart set of the 20s, yeah.
4: Uh-huh. Now, this one is from Walt Disney, and it almost broke my heart. I love Mickey Mouse more than any woman I have ever known.
0: Wow.
4: Isn't that sad? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can love the character that you created, mm-hmm. but to love that character more than anyone else around, well, I, I rephrase that. Never mind. He didn't say more than anybody I've ever known. Mm-hmm. It was more than any woman I have ever known. Now, I wonder what that says.
0: Uh... Have the opposite sex disappointed him? I don't know. He was married, yes? Yeah, yeah. I tell you, had kids and everything. Was he married
4: more than one time? I don't
0: think so. I
4: didn't think so either. I wonder how his wife felt about that one.
0: It probably went up to what Jimmy Carter said. You know, he didn't say... Oh, yeah. Well, he tried to drown his troubles, but he couldn't get his wife in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Sometimes guys say something and they don't, and they it comes out before they real, realize the impact they say.
4: Yeah, or they lose track that people are listening. Yeah. And when you're in a position like Walt Disney and Jimmy Carter, people remember and they write it down. Right. So, I hope that never got back to his wife. I love Mickey Mouse more than any woman I have ever known, and that I includes agree. his mother. Yeah. Maybe it was just, it had to, this is out of context. Mm-hmm. It had to have been, in, somebody just doesn't sit up and say, gosh, I love this mouse so much. So it, it, it's hard when you don't have the context and you don't have what came before it right. and after it. Right. If somebody said, how much do you love Mickey Mouse or how important is this mouse? Yeah, it would, it would be hyperbole. It would be yeah. an, an, an automatic exaggeration, you know. And, and so
0: for you, sure, the, word, the conversation was going different things right like yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, like I love this mouth uh-huh. more than I love food yeah. Type, yeah. type of stuff, you yeah. know. Yeah, and, you know, but, they, they say they as exaggerating.
4: Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh.
4: I'm hoping that's what it was, but my goodness. Gee, to love a little, oh, well, Okay. Um, Tallulah Bankhead. If I had to live my life again, I'd make the same mistakes, only sooner.
0: Oh, man.
4: She was she was hot stuff. Mm-hmm. The first time I sang in a church choir, 200 people changed their religion. <laughs> it was Fred Allen.
0: <laughs>
4: he was funny. He crossed yeah. all barriers. Oh, yeah. He? Oh, yeah. Um, George Burns. If you live to be a hundred, you've got it made. Very few people die past that age. Oh, that's a good one. Now think about the good old George. Mm-hmm. Gosh, loved that man. All right, from Jack Benny. I don't deserve this award, but I have arthritis too, and I don't deserve that either. <laughs> that one's good. Mm-hmm. And George Burns. Retirement at 65 is ridiculous. When I was 65, I still had pimples.
5: <laughs> that's
4: good. That's George. That's George. Well, that's the end of my comedians. I have some poo there clothes. You want to do poo? Could I give you one poo? Let's
0: do poo. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Give me one poo. Give me this one poo.
0: Good.
4: This is one. All right. This is a poo bear. Weeds are flowers, too, once you get to know them.
0: Ah.
4: Oh, it's so sweet. I just love that little
0: bear. Well, when I get the poo bear script that we're going to do, I'll send that over to you for your a poo. Oh, show. for my enjoyment. Yeah. All right. Here's the,
4: here's the only other poo bear quote, because we're up at 5 o'clock, and that's... That's a good time.
5: Yeah.
4: Pooh says, People say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. Aww. I think everybody. (laughs) Poor Tigger. Oh, Tigger, where are your manners? I don't know, but I bet they're having more fun than I am. (laughs) Good old Pooh. Okay, I'll save the rest of
0: Pooh for next week. All right. Sure, you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Oh, Alright, we're going to say That's goodnight. A, yeah. We're going to say goodnight to everybody. There we go. Say goodnight. The goodnight Our party is over. Is over. Yeah. Do we have to say goodnight it's to everybody? I think we should. Burst I know everybody. Hope you all enjoyed what we did. And Patricia, you made it. You made it. You made it. Can't hear you because I'm listening to the music. So I'm just going
4: to say goodnight to everybody. Well, thank gonna,
0: you for being with us. I'm just going to turn myself up. That way you can hear me.
4: Oh, then I can hear you. Yes. There you are. Because I had the music in my ear. That's true. So I had a good time. With well, thank you, you for. In our family. Good
0: night, family. We love you all very, very much.
4: Yes, we do. And thank Pat- you for being with us. We'll be back next week. I hope you are, too. Good night, Walden. Good
0: night, Patricia. Good night, everybody. We love you all.
5: The candles flicker and dim. You danced and dream through the night. It seemed to be right just being with him. the party's over
2: it's
5: all over
1: Producing Skype, premium with unlimited, search page, Skype status online. All page down, escape, leaving menu bar, search page.
0: Hello, everybody. We are running late. It is 745 here on the West Coast, and we're going to say our prayer. This is uh, Sunday, April 28th, 2013. I'm Wong Hughes. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity being here. Bless all the listeners and supporters of the station. Thank you for letting us do your will. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Here's Colorado.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for OTR from the Rockies. From the foot of the Rockies in Denver, Colorado, here's a program capturing the drama and fun of the golden days of broadcasting. Old time radio from the Rockies. This is Fred Hobbs. I'm speaking to you from the radio studios of RHAC, the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. And we're here to bring you interviews, historical information, book reviews, events, and fun for all on old-time radio, especially related to the Rocky Mountain region because that's where we're located. This time it's Julius, Julius all the way, Julius De Rosa, no, Julius Abruzio, no, certainly not Julius Caesar. This program features old-time broadcasts, but not that old. From the Radio Historical Association of Colorado, it's Julius Marks, otherwise known as Groucho, and here to talk about Groucho's radio appearances, our good friend from the R H A C, Bill McCracken, Bill. Give us a kind of a rundown on uh, what we'll be doing to pay tribute to Groucho today
2: on OTR from the Rockies. Well, our schedule today includes no fewer than four excerpts of shows that he appeared on, plus a full-length You Bet Your Life program. Well, that's uh, a lot of Groucho, but we can take a lot of Groucho, can't we? You're going to have to if you (laughs) want to stick with us for the next 75 minutes. All
3: right. Well, first of all, do you want to just uh, set the scene a little bit about... uh,
2: Groucho's illustrious uh, showbiz career? Well, he was the middle of five brothers. Chico, Harpo, Gummo, Zeppo, and Groucho all made the group known as the Marx Brothers. Groucho, for example, was in vaudeville as early as 1906 and had a two-thirds of a century career before he was done in front of the microphones. Their fame, of course, was the Marx Brothers as a group. And during the uh, 30s in particular, They made about 10 movies together, starting out with Coconuts and Animal Crackers. Animal Crackers became the set piece for Groucho's theme song, which was hooray for Captain Spaulding. And he did many other movies, including A Night at the Opera and so forth, all the way through the uh, decade of the 30s. He did try radio once with Brother Chico uh, in a program called Flywheel, Shyster and Flywheel all a bunch of zany lawyers in 1933. It was sponsored, it was on the Blue Network, it was sponsored by ESO, uh, was a uh, Monday night program, lasted for 26 weeks and got fairly good ratings, but for some reason it did not go any further than that. The two of them, Chico and Groucho, came back in 1939 with a program called The Circle, which was a strange little affair on radio, uh, where... For some reason, Kellogg's decided to sponsor a, a full hour show with all kinds of stars in a very intellectual type setting in which Groucho and Chico were paired with people like Ronald Coleman and Basil Rathbone. That lasted about six months, and Kellogg's never sponsored another primetime program after that because it just did not go. The third attempt that Groucho made at radio was Blue Ribbon Town in 1943 and 1944, which was a pure variety show, and had uh, a good run on CBS on Sunday nights. But again, the sponsor, Blue Ribbon Town, that's Paps Blue Ribbon, uh, did not renew it after uh, about a year and a half. So it was on the year in 1943 and '44. Is there anything
3: you can point to as to why he wasn't more successful in those three programs?
2: Well, I think certainly in the latter case, it was a case that Groucho was a what we would call a visual comedian. And his repertoire, so to speak, seemed to be about 10 years old by the time it made it to Blue Ribbon Town. It had moderate success, but it wasn't really a big deal. And he, like Milton Berle, shared the position of being unable to really come across well in
3: radio. Well, I know you and I maybe slightly disagree, but I know that the listeners obviously say that about Milton Berle, but I thought it was a, a great and very funny radio show, but I
2: guess I was in the minority. Well, it never got the ratings, and uh, he had obviously had a heck of a lot more success when he went to television.
3: Now, Groucho, wasn't he more successful as a guest on various radio shows? Well, that. Oh, in May of 1951. Now, OTR from the Rockies continues with still more Groucho. This time, an excerpt from a very great show. In fact, it was a big show. In fact, it was called The Big Show on NBC. And here's an excerpt from it with uh, the mistress of ceremonies, or maybe she would just as soon be called the master of
2: ceremonies. We're talking about... Well, we just heard a quiz show that was produced by John Goodell. Next program will be two quiz programs, including the one that John Goodell founded for Art Linkletter called People Are Funny. Our second show will be Ralph Edwards in Truth or Consequences.
3: All of this and even more on OTR from the Rockies. Remember, too, you can hear past shows of old-time radio from the Rockies on our website, rhac.org. Just click on the show tab and enjoy. And, as always, thanks to Bill Bragg and Walden Hughes who make it possible for old-time radio from the Rockies to be heard here on Yesterday USA. Now this is Fred Hobbs, your online host, saying goodbye and good radio. This is RHAC. The Radio Historical Association of Colorado.
1: Jaws for Windows. Skype status online. Selected Bill Bratt, Echoes, Fred Burr, Imagine, Ivank, Jerry Head, Jimmy Wilt, John Gat, Kansas, Lee Beal, Nolan, Lee Beal online application, send IS, send SM, send con, send file, send voice, share screens, dot dot, invite the group, enter, leaving menus, leave Beal, on, unloading, job, cancel, OK. And
0: that's with Michael Beal. And, uh, they had a system failure in Texas today, I guess. And that's basically Kim, uh, we couldn't knock out some shows could. Uh, people do complain. So, we had to back everything up pretty late tonight. Sorry about that. Now, next Sunday, everybody, I am not sure I'm going to be here or not. May 5th. I I'll know the day or so, but Chuck McCann wants me to come up and visit him at a studio for a future project. So, it's May, that's a possibility on May 5th. Now, May 19th, we will not be here. Maybe Mike will really want to host the show. Most of us, Bill Bragg, John Murray. I will well, all be at the Thousand Oaks Library recording a Frank presentation there
6: and broadcast that the following Friday. Hello, Michael. Hi there. How are you doing? Okay. We were worried about not getting on at 11:30. Leah didn't get home from work until about 10:15 minutes ago. Wow. Okay, so it all worked out. Okay. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs>
0: So tell, was, me, tell me what's going on I, over there.
6: I, I was going to say I don't know whether or not uh, anybody is still listening because, uh, you know, it's at 1130. Right. Put in a message on Facebook that <clears throat> that we would be delayed till about midnight. So we'll see. I hope there are some people here. If not, we'll have it at the link on Michael Beal's website.
0: There you go. We can have the audio up there. What
5: website?
0: What? <laughs> your Facebook page. How about your Facebook page? Yeah, the Facebook page, right. That's what we could start
6: doing now. Yeah, you know, I, that, that would be good.
0: You know, I think that would be, because the, the, the stuff is recorded, and I, I know Underscore Bill, you do record it. I know Roy knows a know site that records. That might be a good way to do it. That way we give you the podcast, and you can put it up on the Facebook page every week.
6: That would be wonderful. That's a great uh, idea. Okay. My, my friend Steve Ram in Philadelphia... Uh, who I was in London in 2001 uh-huh. uh, with, uh, uh, you know, said I haven't been able to. I, I'm not able to hear your program. I need to have it, uh, you know, you know uh, streamed somehow. Uh,
0: well, but I, yeah, well, I know. Undersc- I know. Underscore Bell have recorded the last three years worth of or more of the of the Sunday night show. So we got an archive going.
6: Oh my goodness, have put three years of me up. Oh well, uh, you know, why not? <laughs> As, as evidence? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, before we get into uh, some more stuff about our London trip, I just want to mention something which is perfectly uh, you know, appropriate for the program that, uh, that that you just played about Groucho Show March. Oh, that's true. The, the, the post that you sent along, you bet. That's right. Uh, Ron Hutchinson. Got a message from John Teth Teller. Now, John is a uh, very famous he used, record collector and record dealer. He
0: used to be the Spurback Archivist back in the 70s. Oh. Before he went,
6: did, to,
0: before he, went he, he was into old-time radio before he became a, a record collector.
6: Because he's really into uh, yeah. rock, yeah. early rock, 78s, yeah. and Blues and and and... Uh, and, and, and some of the rarest, yeah. you know, the, the ten, records in the $10,000 uh, area. Mm-hmm. Anyway, John is putting on the finishing touches on a CD or a CD set, at least between six and 10 CDs of rare Marx Brothers radio appearances, not the common stuff you've heard on LP or Groucho only shows. He has the original transcriptions of some of the shyster flywheel broadcasts. All very rare, previously unheard stuff. And uh, Ron was passing along information. If you have or know who has any more of these discs, a Hollywood hotel appearance, discs with the premieres of A Night at the Opera or A Day at the Races, or other 30s Mark stuff, Please pass this along, and and you know to either Walden or myself, and mm-hmm. we can get it to uh, Ron, you know, through Ron to get it to uh, to Ted Teller. And uh, you that, know, so that's a the, great
0: find because those were, you know, we got the script floating around, but none of the recording. And actually, I think the BBC
6: actually uh, went ahead and, right. and dramatized it. That, 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 that is the irony that the BBC, because at that point it was like half a show in very bad condition. Mm-hmm. And I gave them a chance to hear what the format of the show was, you know, in addition to of course having the scripts. And they went and they reproduced, they recreated, if not the whole series, at least I think it's 26 of them, at least like about 10, about twelve or thirteen, maybe fifteen of them. And now the shows start showing up. Uh, Eric Grayson says, I know of three flywheels and shysters. Are there more? Ron rep- replies, uh, not sure he may have those, but do you know which episodes? The episodes are 24, 25, and 26 that exist and are on archive.org, which means, of course, they sound dreadful. hmm uh, Teth Teller says yes and they are coming out soon, but I need to know who has the original discs of the May 22nd, 1933 show, which has been circulating for a while, and the half show of 5:1533 that is floating around on the, about on the internet. That probably was that first show that showed up. Yeah, yeah. Someone somewhere, as the original 16 inch or 12 inch discs for these, so they can be remastered properly and released with the others. This will be a 6 to 10 CD set depending upon what I can actually get remastered.